The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Yeah, yeah, it's um it's, you know, I love it. It's what I'm I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. It's what I want to be doing. Um but the byproduct of the whole thing, you know, it's great to see it. Um it's great to see it at the airport. It's great to see it when you're driving. It's great to see it when you're walking in uptown, but the the the, you know, the thumbs up is really when the artists say, "Wendy, I just sold a painting. I just got commissioned for a sculpture. I just got commissioned for five paintings. I just got an opportunity at a gallery." It's the impact that is more than you could ever imagine. But the more important thing for me has always been how do we develop young people in the soft skills or leadership area specifically where we can now infuse elements of emotional intelligence and cultural yeah. awareness and intelligence because, I mean, we're seeing where we are in this day and age now. Yep. Where we have to always be mindful of the spaces that we're in, the people that we're coming across and dealing with and having to listen to even if we don't necessarily agree. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the October 3rd batch of the Biscuit Podcast. I am Tim Miner, and... And I'm here, Porter Metzler. Porter, wait, you don't look anything like Matt Olin. No, um, I'm actually here to replace him. He, we just, <laughs> he just was, he was a dud on the podcast, so I thought I'd hop in on this we, one. We did get a one-star review, and I, I, mean, I can't say it was about Matt, but it's just my gut. I can guarantee I can get at least a two star review. <laughs> thank you for um, setting the bar really high, Porter. I'm, thank you. I'm not gonna promise a three, but I can I can bring it to you. could be solidly <laughs> mediocre, uh, just barely exceeding expectations. Yep. All right. Well, and on that note, if you love the Biscuit Podcast, we would really appreciate you giving us a five star review. Um, we've been advised by our erstwhile producer, Andy Go that we should give out rewards for five-star reviews. Our reward is the eternal gratitude of everyone on the Biscuit staff, which is not has no monetary value on Earth. But in the afterlife, you know, you will achieve total knowledge, which so you got that going for you. If, if you write a five-star review for me, I'll write a five-star review about you. I, you can't get a better offer, I don't think, than mm-hmm. that. Have you, have you? Do you have like a template, or are you actually going to do like an original composition of how you feel? About I'll do an I'll do an original composition. Okay, all right, that's a good deal. Yep. Well, Porter, it uh, is Thursday, October the third. Not really. We're recording this in advance, but by the time you hear it, it'll be Thursday, October the third. Uh, we've got a, a pretty jam packed little biscuit podcast for you today. Um, starting off, I interview Wendy Hickey, who is the fairy art mother of Charlotte, the founder of Art Pop Street Gallery. It's a great um, little conversation that we have just about the state of street art, how she got started, and uh, about their call for submissions that they've got going on right now. That, that sounds absolutely magical. It is. It is. She sprinkles some fairy dust on that. Uh, Matt interviews Arma Shinko uh, of Give and Go, which is an incredible program, and, and they get into why it's so necessary in Charlotte right now. Um, we've got a mogul moment from Nikki Eason and a Queen City Quiz Show question, which is coming up right now. But first, before we do that, I have to say that we had a winner of last week's contest. Ooh, who won? Jen, whose name I'm going to destroy, Jen Kyagyutin, 
correctly guessed that the identity of Charles Duke. Do you know who Charles Duke was? I knew who Charles Duke was. Who is Charles Duke? He's Moonwalker, baby. He is. Tell us a little bit about him. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> so technically, Charles Duke is a Charlottean because he was born right here in the Queen City, uh, promptly moved away, and I don't believe he's ever returned. Uh, but we can claim him. Charles Duke is the youngest man to ever walk on the moon. Uh, so, Jen, you have your choice of uh, of two kinds of coffee. You can have coffee at Not Just Coffee J Street, paid by Matt and Tim. And yes, I just referred to myself in the third person. Or you can have coffee paid for by us and with us. So and we're going to leave that up to you as to whether or not you determine that that is indeed a reward. I'd just take the coffee and go. Okay, well, that's really sweet of you to say <laughs> that. Uh, and seeing as you've already fired Matt off the podcast, yeah, I mean, he, he may not be yeah, here. He, he probably won't be there. So he you may have, not be here at all. You can have coffee with Tim if you'd like. All right. Now, here's the question for this week, Porter. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, a... Cracker delicacy mm. was invented right here in Charlotte, North Carolina during World War I. Oh, wow. It's a famous kind of packaged cracker. Hmm. Any ideas? Hmm. Don't I say think, them out loud. I think, I think I might know what it is. Okay. All right. Is it, is it a restaurant staple? You see it's not a restaurant, a restaurant staple, no? actually. Mm, I might not have it. All right. So this is a cracker. You can buy it in stores. It mm. is made by Lance Crackers. Hmm. But what kind of cracker was invented during World War I to feed the troops at Camp Green? If you know the answer, email it to us at hello at Charlotte is creative by October the 9th. You want to know what you can win? What what are we winning? What are we giving away? All right, today? so we're gonna we're gonna move on from coffee. We've been doing a lot of giving away of coffee. Are we giving away crackers? All right. <laughs> no, no. Although if Lance wants to hit us up with like cartons of free crackers to we'll, give away, we'll take it. We're gonna take that. Uh, no, this is to actually go and get pizza at Benny Pinello's. Mm. All right, one slice ought to do you for like a week and a half. Yeah, you sleep like a snake after you eat it. Yeah, I can. I can usually put down about half, half a piece. <laughs> I, I I ate one and a half pieces oh, last Lord. week, and then I fell asleep for two days. Uh, but if you want to win pizza at Benny Pinello's with or without Matt and me, or possibly Porter and me, uh, send your answer as to what was the kind of packaged cracker that Lance developed during World War One to Hello at Charlotte is Creative. And now, last thing we got to do before we get into everything is um, thank our sponsors that make the uh, Biscuit Podcast possible. I want to thank Ortho Carolina, Crescent Communities, Four Eyes Productions for their incredible web work, uh, and also say that we are a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Porter, you look just eager with anticipation to jump into this. I cannot wait. Okay, well, you cannot. Guess what? Thanks to the magic of editing, you don't have to wait any longer. Nope. I've, I've already listened to this. Have you really? I haven't even I have. listened to it yet. I have. Are you saying you listen it's, to our podcast? It's Thursday. I'm listening <laughs> to our podcast. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you later and enjoy this podcast.
Hey guys, it's Tim Miner, and I am here for a very special segment of the Biscuit Podcast with Wendy Hickey. Uh, and you can take your pick when it comes to Wendy as to what her title is. She's either the founder of Art Pop, the ED of Art Pop, or I think Fairy Art Mother is. Yes. If that's not on a business card, it, it, <laughs> it ought to be. It is definitely in my email signature. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I thank you for sitting down. We're at Undercurrent Coffee in uh, Plaza Midwood, and I mean, this is—it's T minus twenty-four hours, or maybe thirty-six, before um, your next Art Pop event. Yes. Um, and you're sitting down to talk about another thing that you have coming up after that. Absolutely. So I—I I can't even imagine. Have you even gotten any sleep this week? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. That's, that's true art never sleeps art never sleeps well tell us a little bit about yourself like um when did you move to charlotte because you're not a native native charlotte yeah i moved to charlotte next month so october will be seven years that i've lived in the queen city are you getting the seven year itch at you all? know no i actually quite like it here that's, that's <laughs> we we need you here so um, we're not gonna to let here. you go yeah. if we see a moving van in front of your place i think matt and i will lay down in no front of i'm here truck. yeah especially right here in this neighborhood too so when you when you got to charlotte uh, by the way, what brought you to um, I transferred here with my job in um, selling advertising. Yeah. So, uh, listen, we, we, now now we've got, this is going to branch off into another part of the biscuit, because just yesterday <laughs> we announced a new segment that we call Transfer Tales, where people will tell the story of how and why they got to Charlotte. Oh, that's great. I love that. And you, you'll have so much, because <laughs> no one is from here, so it's perfect. My, you know what? My <laughs> wife is actually born and raised oh, in Charlotte, goodness. North Carolina. Oh, my goodness. That's so rare. Yeah. But uh, So you got here, and what were your initial impressions? When I first got here, um, I had actually wanted to move to Charlotte um, for years. I was living in Michigan, and, um, and I'm originally from South Carolina, and Charlotte was always on my radar of mm -hmm. somewhere that I wanted to live. So when I got the work transfer here it was just such a win but um, I've loved it this community has embraced me and this organization and uh, uh, really since day one so I'm thrilled well let's talk about that organization then because I mean you know you moved here seven years ago mm -hmm. but then six years ago art pop was born so what yes. what was the impetus for that what what made you say I, wait I've got to do something well you know my role in selling advertising for 22 years in the billboard business um, taught me a whole lot about branding and marketing and um, but always doing that for big brands national brands like a Budweiser or Coca-Cola and places like that so I thought you know uh, my I have a huge love for artists and the art that they create and in my conversations with them their struggle is how do I market myself how do I sell my art mm -hmm. you know how do I put myself out there and I thought you know what I seriously one day I'm going to uh, be the change and be the voice for local artists through what I know through the billboard advertising industry so really that was the impetus of the the entire thing I moved to Charlotte I put my uh, luggage up in my new apartment in uptown that's where I lived when I first moved here I put my luggage away I walked over to the Arts and Science Council and pitched Art Pop Street Gallery and so it was born in 2014 Wow yeah. I mean that's that's really that's really digging in um, I think Matt and I have talked recently that we we feel like the mark of a charlatan is is somebody that gets involved, right? So regardless of how long you've lived here, mm -hmm. if you're sitting on the sidelines, eh, are you a charlatan? But if you're somebody who dives in and really gets involved in the culture and the community mm -hmm. and, and connects people, you're from Charlotte. You're Thanks. a charlatan. I, I love it. It's been a it's been an amazing, crazy journey, but it's been so rewarding. Was there any when you started out and you're talking to artists? I mean, this is so dissimilar to mm -hmm. anything that they that had come before. Mm -hmm. um, and as you say, they were struggling. Did you encounter any, you know, concerns or maybe did you have to overcome people's 
um, suspicions that it wasn't going to work or that you had other motives or was it just a instant adoption? It, it was instant adoption. I think probably more blown away that, that their art would be featured on a billboard for an entire year was probably more like, are you serious? Like, I get to be on a billboard for an entire year right. that rotates through the Charlotte region and there's no catch. <laughs> and I think it was just more surprise and, and thank goodness, you know, they're so happy to have art advertising right. um, and, and help them to sell more art and help them to be known in their community. And then our community benefits from it because it's making art accessible to the masses 24 seven, right. whether you go to a gallery or not. I, I mean, I think that's so important. Uh, uh, so many people are, intimidated just by the word art I think off the bat uh, often because of how it's taught or you know how it's referred to when you're growing up right mm -hmm. then we lock it away oftentimes in buildings that have guards and you know are in fancy parts of town mm -hmm. and look intimidating and it really makes uh, it creates that barrier so breaking that down and making art accessible in unexpected places is powerful yeah thank you and it's just evolved into so much more um you know our we're built on billboards and that really is our base and our right. core but we've we've transformed into so many other types of advertising as well so it's really just a full uh, media program for these artists are even our name is uh the pop and art pop is public outdoor project right. because everything we do is on outdoor advertising and so it's morphed into what is today a three million dollar wow. media package for 20 artists every year it's just phenomenal that's amazing yeah that's <laughs> it's how um how did it feel the first time you were driving and you saw your very first oh my gosh it feels the same way that it does today <laughs> I'm telling you, I, Tim, I just never get tired of it. It's just so damn beautiful to look up <laughs> and see something like that. And, you know, while you're driving um, and you're stuck in traffic and you're probably not in the best mind space um, to be able to see a work of art made by somebody in your own community, um, I still get just as emotional about it as I ever have. It's that, amazing. That's I mean, and that that's how you gauge the love, right? I mean, oh I can tell God. you as a copywriter or starting my career as a copywriter, mm -hmm. I never got and still haven't gotten sick of <laughs> feeling that you know holding up that brochure or the mm -hmm. ad or whatever piece of collateral mm -hmm. just rolled in from the printer or just popped up on the screen i mean yeah. even when you do social media you get excited about that i think that's an indication that you're doing what you need to be doing yeah yeah it's um it's you know i love it it's what i'm i feel like i'm supposed to be doing it's right. what i want to be doing um but the byproduct of the whole thing you know it's great to see it um it's great to see it at the airport it's great to see it when you're driving it's great to see it when you're walking in uptown but the the the, you know, the thumbs up is really when the artists say, Wendy, I just sold a painting. I just got commissioned for a sculpture. I just got commissioned for five paintings. I just got an wow. opportunity at a gallery. It's the impact that is more than you could ever imagine. Yeah, tell us, that was going to be my next question is, what are some stories of, of how you've seen your work and the work of Art Pop? Mm -hmm affect the lives of, of artists that you well you know for for us it's every that starts off with confidence so the when somebody's juried into the program the first thing that they say is it's giving them a renewed renewed sense yeah, of confidence. you validated me yeah and you know confidence is so powerful when you're confident you have the ability to stand a little taller and and speak a little more clearer and and be confident in in your abilities to to sell your art and um, that that it does matter right. so I think giving confidence first 
and foremost that that's kind of an equal across the board from all the artists and then we've seen everything from artists being able to quit their day jobs and become full-time artists we've seen artists sell more art we've seen artists um, have opportunities in galleries we have a group of artists um, in Mount Holly that have their own gallery now and they're all art pop street gallery artists oh, not a, a gallery called awaken gallery um, so we have seen just amazing amazing things and then artists selling more work than they did before they were in the program and then selling their art for more money than they did before they were in the program so it's just it's as rewarding as anything could ever be I, th I think uh, you know you've provided not only have you provided the marketing service for that but at least in working even most creatives I know you know the endorphin hit that you get is off the creating right and mm -hmm. and and then it's only later that you remember oh wait I have to have made money off of that to eat you know I, I can't even count the number of times I've been around either I've done it or I've seen other people give away an idea or jot down something or or you know sketch out and give an idea mm -hmm. and then it's later that they go oh I I could have gotten paid for that yeah. so it's not creatives are not naturally wired to think that way mm -hmm. and then they live in a in a banking town that oftentimes either doesn't I found doesn't necessarily know always how to value art mm -hmm. how to place Agreed. a value on it or that they're so they've grown so accustomed because we as creatives have given what we've done away for free yeah. that it, when it's time for us to go wait a minute I actually have to charge you for that now mm -hmm. they go but wait a minute you gave it to me for free these la or at a ridiculously reduced yeah. price these yeah. last time so I think you know how have you seen that change the mindset of buyers that mm -hmm. they really maybe does it make that light come on that wait a minute this is somebody's product just like me advising you on your taxes or giving mm -hmm. you you know ideas on how to invest or selling your home mm -hmm. is a service that that should yeah, be paid for. Yeah, you know, I think there's still so much work to be done in the Charlotte region and the Charlotte community for the value of art and buying art and investing in local art. Um, it could be it could be for all sorts of reasons, but there's still a tremendous amount of work that needs to be done in that. You betcha, we're helping. Have we solved that? No. Um, do we help so that people don't have starving artists in their community? You bet. But there's still so much work that needs to be done in people valuing art in this community. Do you, yeah, that, do you feel like maybe it's time, and I don't want to plant <laughs> this idea with you, but mm -hmm. for, for all of us to let go of the no, idea that being a starving artist is some, something that's noble? Um, it's not noble, and I, I really, like, I don't, I don't want to use the word hate, but I just, I just hate those words. It doesn't need to be that way. Right. Um, I want to do everything within my power through Art Pop Street Gallery to be able to change that, but we, it, it has to stop, you know? If it doesn't, I think you and I should start the, the idea that being a, a, uh, a starving financial planner is a noble pursuit. Yeah, as exactly, well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you know we're the we've starving, come a long way. Steady, the starving <laughs> starting linebacker. Yeah, I know. No, it, see, it just doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. But you know that's something. Um, now that I work full time at Art Pop Street Gallery, that I am absolutely aware of and and want to do anything to be able to to change that stigma yeah. and help our artists and and i'm definitely putting my money where my mouth is on that I, I buy art and i'm doing everything possible through art pop street gallery to help these artists so that that's that stigma goes away well thank you yeah you bet that. i love it <laughs> <laughs> so right now you've got an open call for submissions through the end of october right yeah. october 27th yeah october 27th 11:59 mountain standard time um and i i say that because because the call service we use is based out of Colorado. So um, call for entry ends at 11.59 p.m. Mountain Standard. Nice. Yeah. We're excited. So the call will be for our seventh year. 
Um, we will jury in 20 artists out of all of the submissions. And what's so cool is typically folks like to wait to the last 24 hours to send their um, their right. file in. Right. And we're already, we have a tremendous amount of submissions that have already been sent in. So on like the first and second day that the call opens, so I was like, yeah, that's I a great that's sign. I think that's a sign that you've done, that you've done your work. Yeah. How many submissions did you have last year? I want to say it was 150. Wow. Yeah, 150. Yeah, and we only can jury in 20. So So what are the things when when somebody's putting their submission together? <clears throat> mm -hmm. What are some of the aspects or, or the trigger points that you're looking for that says, okay, this is somebody whose work we really want to pay attention to? There's, a, there's quite a few things. So we have a panel of seven um, jurors that, that judge the work every year, and that changes. So it's never the same person except for me. I'm one of the seven. And what we look for is um, a variety of disciplines. Um, we, we, this is not a program that's only for painters and photographers. It's for all disciplines. So we like to have a variety. So when you're driving around this year, you'll see wood, you'll see um, metal sculptor, you'll see a, a master knitter, for goodness sake, you know, who would ever think of having ma uh, knitting? Who's your master knitter? Uh, no, Lady Ann Henderson. Okay. And um, so, you know, we have all sorts of disciplines, so we want to be sure that we're serving the, ma the you know, a large population of artists as opposed to only painters and photographers. Right. That's fantastic. And what what's the age range that okay. you've Okay, great question because we have a, a new um, component of Art Pop that just started in 2019. So you have to be 18 years old or older and you have to have an active artist website and you have to f um, crop your file to the specs that we ask for. You have to think rectangular, it's a billboard. Right. Um, and now we have lots of other things besides billboards that these artists will be on, but they have to crop their file. So it's 18 years and up, but we have one of our 20 spots that um, we earmark for a senior high school artist. So that senior high school artist does not have to be 18 um, and they do not have to have an active artist website to be able to apply, but that uh, senior high school artist needs to be transitioning on to study the arts in college and um, and they get all the benefits that the adult artists get and a scholarship. Nice. Yes, I'm so excited about this. Okay, I'm gonna ask a question, and then if you don't, if you don't like the direction, or I'm gonna make a statement. If you don't like the direction, just shut please. It um, do you ever have uh, have artists that they're just, especially if they're a little bit older, mm -hmm. that when you ask them to crop the the imagery and get it sized right they have challenges oh that. absolutely yes they do um, to this day we still have artists who submit their work incorrectly wow. and it's um, at this point you know 112 artists 112 billboards six years later um, folks are still struggle with that so we have a tutorial video now we're a photographer art pop artist from uh, Pennsylvania actually walks you through step by step by step on how to do this. And then if you still don't understand how to crop your work, we um, recommend a whole slew of uh, graphic designers who charge a nominal fee who will do it for you. Beautiful. Yes. Well, uh, so I was actually going to say uh, mm -hmm. that we could offer up our services at Charlotte is Creative to help out with that. But oh. I'm glad you've got course of course you've thought through that yeah we you know because uh, you know when you're typically uh, especially with painters or fine artists right. they struggle with um, how do I do that they don't they don't understand graphic design which is completely fine there's a lot of folks out there who are happy to help for right. a really really affordable fees to do it um, but you can also create for the billboard right so we have artists who 
are waiting for the calls to open every year because they've designed something in a rectangular nature just for our Pop Street Gallery, or they take an existing piece of work and crop it. And you betcha there's artists who struggle with the thought of cutting their work or cropping their work more than the know-how, right. but like, damn it, how do I, how do I cut this piece what, of yeah, my art? What, what, I'm, what about the parts that I'm losing, right? Yeah. I, you know, it's, forget... Uh, Forget artists that don't normally work in that medium. I mean, Matt and I have, ha have endless conversations about the art of, of outdoor, right? And mm -hmm. that there's a lot of bad outdoor oh, yeah. out there. You know, professional graphic designers that, that struggle with that horizontal format mm -hmm. and the distance at which you will view that work, mm -hmm. right? So I can see where that, that might be a bit of a, a mind melt for somebody who's used to working in can on canvas or or they're into sculpture or, uh, you know, uh, fabric arts or textiles mm -hmm. or that type of thing. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But when they get it and when they get it right or if they get a graphic designer who understands the medium of billboards right. and they get them to do it for them, I think they're usually blown away by what it ends up looking like. But you've, you've got the crop is, is everything. You right. know, you've got a moment to look at this art and you need to just wow people with it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, I, listen, I as as somebody forget that I'm in the in the in the creative space. I, I before Matt and I started uh, Charlotte's Creative four years ago, I was well aware of your work. I loved driving around and seeing you know the art pop outdoor, <laughs> and it was just so um, it was such a break from what we're used to seeing, mm -hmm. and, and it and it said something to me about Charlotte, who Charlotte was becoming, mm -hmm. you know, the type of town that we are, that we had so much creativity that it just wasn't, it was spilling over into unexpected places, and, and you you helped drive us there. Thank you. So, f as, you know, as a member of the creative community, thank you so much for, for it. I know it's, you're smiling now, but it's been, <laughs> I'm sure you've had your nights where there's been tears or you're oh just my ready gosh. to pull your hair out. Without a doubt. Yeah, it is not easy being living in the nonprofit space, <laughs> living in the arts nonprofit space. But um, damn it, I'm not giving up. I love doing this for these artists. There's nothing like yeah. asking, please give me money so I can help other people yeah. do well. Yeah, but it's, it's no an doubt. important ask. It is an important so. ask. And I you know, it's, um, also want to make sure, in addition to our high school student component that we've added, right. we've also added a two-day business course. So all of the artists who are jury into Art Pop Street Gallery now get a two-day course in the business of art Beautiful. so that when they're given this three million dollars worth of advertising for this group of 20 artists they're right. also learning how to be full-time artists and getting the education behind that right. so that they're really capitalizing on this entire process and being of, ready for the success yes, when it comes right yes yes because we've gone from billboards to newsstands to four different shopping centers to being inside the charlotte regional business alliance office to being at the charlotte airport i mean it's a huge advertising platform for these artists now that's fantastic. Thanks, and thanks to all our partners who helped well, us make this happen. And that was so. Listen, we we fully support naming all of those sponsors on our on our podcast because, not, guys, it's the reality that none of this is possible unless businesses and individuals step up. So, who are the who are your chief supporters? So, from day one, Adams Outdoor Advertising of Charlotte has supported this program with millions and millions of dollars worth of advertising space since 2014, and now we're on the Center City Partners newsstands in Uptown. You'll see us on ten of those as you're walking around. You'll see us at Ballantine Village, Waverly, and Ray Farms with a company called Audience Media. Our Charlotte Airport assets, there's 32 digital billboards throughout the Charlotte Airport, and those are um, an anonymous donor. So we have somebody that we can't publicly thank for that, but we're so 
damn grateful to be at the airport. You'll you'll send it out mentally. You betcha. So, um, and then we're also some of our artists are featured at North Lake Mall as well. Um, Instead of seeing a coming soon barricade, you see Art Pop Street Gallery. So a few of our artists have been selected for that as well. That's fantastic. Well, please, please keep uh, spreading that magic fairy dust. Thank you. And we need our community's financial support to to make that happen. All right. Well, and so if somebody wants to to either submit art, learn more, help you out, or write a check... How can they do that? Uh, ArtPopStreetGallery.com. Um, all the information about the call will be there. Our Donate Now button will be there. And we also have a new sponsorship opportunity right now for companies or individuals to sponsor each of our artists at $5,000 so that all 20 artists um, can get this incredible opportunity in 2020. All right, Charlotte. The call's been put out. The gauntlet's been thrown. Wendy, thank you. Thanks you're for everything welcome. you're doing. You bet. Follow us on social media, ArtPopStreetGallery.com. And now, another mogul moment from Nikki Eason. If your dreams don't scare you, they are not big enough. If your dreams don't scare you, they are not big enough. See, I need y'all to understand that dreams got to scare you so bad that you don't even want to do it, that you are so afraid to do it, that you're like, no, 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 I want to run from it. I want to run from it. Those are the dreams that I want you to dream for yourself. Dream big, then dream bigger. Because you got to understand that in order to get that, you can't be afraid of it. It has to scare you. That's part of the whole mission. That's part of the whole journey. If it doesn't scare you, then it's not big enough. Why can't you have the company that that you want? Why can't you be on the television? Why can't you own the network? Why can't you not do that? You know why? Because you don't think that your dreams are capable of actually achieving that. You don't think that that is for you. I'm here to tell you that, yeah, all of that is for you. You are the one that's supposed to do it, but you can't be afraid of it. You got to believe in it more. If it scares you, that's a good thing. If it scares you, that's a good thing. That means it's a big dream for what you have for your life. Yeah, I know sometimes dreams can be hard, but that's when you actually start to pick the team because every dream that you're trying to get to, you're going to need a team. And if you can do it by yourself, then there's not a big enough dream. If you can do it by yourself, then there's not a big enough dream. That means you can just go and do your thing. That is the reason why you're not scared of it. If you're scared of it, that's the dream that you got to go after. If you're scared of it, that's the dream that you got to go after. You should actually be in those places that you never thought you would be in. All that money, all the things and fashion or whatever you want, all of that can be yours, but it even be better and bigger if it actually was something that you owned. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. It's already been in your home. It's already been a part of your soul. That's the dreams that I want for you. That's how big it needs to be. I'm telling you that the dreams that you have in your mind that are for you and me, I'm not afraid of it. Not anymore. And even when I get scared, I still come to the door and knock for some more because I know that dreams are supposed to scare you. And if they're scaring me, then that means I'm getting closer. If it's scaring me, that means that I'm the one that's holding. You've got to understand that those dreams are potent and I'm not going to go away from it just because I'm scared. Are you joking? Nah, I don't think you should do that. I think you should continue to run after it even though you're scared. Be scared and still do it. Be afraid and still do it. Actually understand that on the other side of that fear is where your greatness lies. And those are the dreams that I want you to have surprise here it is that big dream that you want I'm telling you it's just for you but if the dream doesn't scare you then it's not big enough if your dreams don't scare you they are not big enough love all right listeners welcome back to the biscuit podcast and we are sitting here with Arma Shianko Arma I'm so glad you joined us here um Thank you. yeah like we've been crossing paths for a while now yeah. 
and your kids are here, which I love. <laughs> like I, I try to bring my daughter wherever I can. Awesome. So whatever you hear in the background, like that's part of the the, the joy and the love it's of the what experience. Of that's it all. right, immersive, baby. <laughs> oh yeah, immersive. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know what was cool? What what sort of led to us sitting down here is that when I went to uh, Durag Fest mm-hmm. at Camp North End, and, w- and, and I ran into you. And the students uh, mm-hmm. that are a part of your give and go yeah. um, organization, um, and you were so kind of you know invite me over to speak to them, and they just they're such dynamic You're kids, too kind. right? It's true, <laughs> it's so true. And then um, and then they came to Creative Mornings, mm-hmm. uh, which because was because cool. of your invitation. So well, thank you. You know, when you were telling me more about the work you're doing with them, I was like, oh, they have to come here. Yeah. Sonia Gant yeah, speak yeah, uh, yeah. at Biddle Hall at Johnson yeah. C. Smith University oh, yeah. and, and just kind of get a sense of, of what's happening there. Oh, You've yeah. been very kind uh, to speak to them about what Creative Mornings is, is up to in the community. So eventually we're like, okay, we are going to sit down and we're going <laughs> to talk about this vital work that you're doing. And I'm and so glad for that. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> well, but let's, before we dive into Give and Go and, and the work you're doing with those, those students, let's talk a little bit about you. Let's sure. start there. Sure. So tell us a little bit about your Charlotte story. You know, mm-hmm. h- how did you get to Charlotte? A- and and just a little bit about of sort of the background for sure. us here. Sure. So I was just telling you a little bit. But first and foremost, Matt, I always want to just start out with just thanking you because you, I'm hearing you say all these things and I'm thinking to myself, you have no idea how much I appreciate you just always being so welcoming and just sitting down and even just giving words to our students just based on just passing through. So sure. It's just funny how life works, right? It is. And then you're just we just happen to be in certain spaces, and then it's like, hey, we got to make the best of this opportunity in this moment, and would you mind speaking to our kids yeah. or our students? And you're like, sure. And I'm like, okay. I love it. I'm used to the Matt Olin Creative Mornings. This is the grand spectacle in terms of positivity and creativity in the city, and I really I'm in, I'm inspired by that personally. Yeah. You know, so. It's, just for you to be willing to do that, that's what makes us human, and it actually makes what you're doing with Creative Morning that much more inspiring because you're not above approach. You see what I mean? It's not It's not yeah. like you don't hold yourself at a level where you feel like, hey, I'm Matt. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I, I'm just happy to be at the party, quite frankly, and it is it is a blast to um, just, just to be out there doing work alongside yeah. folks like you. It's really cool. You make it fun to do the work. Thanks. You help make it fun. Let's thank put it you. that way. Thank so, you. Thank you. Gratitude, first and foremost. Of course. But back to the story, I was just telling you a little bit ago, I'm from two different countries in West Africa, 100% West African. So I've lived in each one prior to coming here when I was about nine and heavily impacted by both because it's one of those upbringings where as you're going through it, you don't really understand why it just feels like such a challenge because you don't always feel like you're fully accepted in one culture. And I'm talking having to speak different dialects or languages and then also eating different foods and experiencing different types of lifestyles, really, because each country is so unique, yep. you know? And then coming here to the U.S., just starting to learn English and having that be a second language and being picked on in, in fifth grade and bullying of sort, right? And is this here in Charlotte? or No, actually, this was in, when we came, we came through Virginia and yep. stopped in Salisbury, North Carolina. Is that right? Places. And that's where I started fifth grade. Granite Quarry Elementary School is where, where we where we went. And then yep. Yeah, man. But it was just unique just with the culture shift and just how things were done and behavior, even amongst young people versus adults. All of that was a cultural shock for me. Sure. And I'm used to, hey, you don't talk to your adults. You don't you're respectful always. And yeah. I'm sitting in the classroom in fifth grade, halfway through the year, 
And it's the ultimate opposite where students are free to speak their minds and teachers are not as disciplinarian mm-hmm. or as much of a disciplinarian as they were back home in Africa. Mm. So I'm learning all these things, but then starting to realize real quickly that I actually have to start formulating or expressing myself yeah. in order to really survive in this jungle of sort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in a, in a great way, because mm-hmm. now these are the challenges that have now shaped me when I talked about the picking on because of my accent. I just remember making up my mind one day saying to myself, you know what, I'm going to learn this language and I'm going to speak it better than you one day. <laughs> After it I felt so it. bad, right? I can pretty much assure you, <laughs> you do. <laughs> Just in the conversations we've had. Man, but but that's, <laughs> that's what led to the obsessive nature when it came to learning and practicing English. Yeah. is based on the pain of feeling like I was not welcome because of how I spoke. Mm. So, and then looking back at it in hindsight, I mean, it speaks multiple things. But for me, and it's part of what I use as I work with young people especially, Take the things that tick you off or piss you off mm-hmm. and let it inspire you and motivate you to make yourself better. Yeah. Just regardless of what it is. Yep. <laughs> because you don't know that the more you improve on or challenge yourself enough to improve on certain things, you don't know what the aftermath is. Sure. The good or the bad. Yeah. There are consequences to everything. Mm. But how do we now take it and take accountability and say, you know what, I can't fault him or that person for yeah. making fun of me. Yeah. I just got to do what I got to do so I don't feel this way again. <laughs> to me, that feels like a, a hallmark of evolved living, <laughs> evolved humanity, which is to take something that's negative, that's potentially destructive or disempowering, and to somehow transform it yeah. into the opposite of that. Yeah. Whether that is you need to forgive somebody for something so you can move on and, yeah. and live your life, yeah. or that's exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it, it is this, this, the art of transforming bad yeah. into good. And, and I think we all have that ability. It's just more so how much are we willing to commit to just the grind of it. Yeah. Because it's a process. Yeah. No one wakes up and says, oh, yeah, I'm going to take my bad and now make it good. Yeah. When the bad can be quite traumatic, yep. painful, and many other things that are quite challenging. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, so then what brought you to Charlotte? How did you make your way from Salisbury to Charlotte? So... I actually ended up moving up north or being moved up north. Oh, we had a couple of stops along the way. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> ended up in Pennsylvania uh-huh. is where I went through middle and high school or completed middle and high school. And grew up with a bunch of boys. Sports was number one in the household. Many different types, sports, soccer, basketball, you name it. But education was always at the core of everything. Yeah. And it was, I mean, any African you speak to will definitely attest to this. If you're not getting your education, then you're almost wasting your life. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But for me, it became one of those things where because I'm now moving into different scenarios and spaces, I had a challenge with just the difference in level of authority. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm not in the space or in the guidance of a mom or immediate relative. Yeah. I'm now meeting new family that I'm growing up under. And these are different rules and policies and you name it. And I was always raised with the, hey, you know what you have to do for school? Mm -hmm. Go do it. Yep. In this new environment, it's more so bring every single book home and you're going to sit at a table for three hours and get everything done. And that was completely new for me Mm -hmm. to the point where it impacted even not just what I did in the classroom, but just more so me developing what some would call a rebellious nature. Yep. 
<laughs> because of the, it almost felt like micromanaging of sorts. Uh-huh. And I don't do well with it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you don't say. <laughs> so being able to learn those things about myself and then just experience those things, but then being able to put it all together later on in life, because going through it at that time, I couldn't sit here and talk to you like this. About sure, it. sure. But what it did was more so because I was always fairly, I always considered myself fairly intelligent, meaning I was willing to, I, I could read and write so I could learn almost anything. And I knew that I had to be able to do those things if I wanted to actually progress because life is a constant learning process, right? Yeah. And we, we can learn a lot by actually just doing certain things. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't more about the academic side of it because to me it was pretty simple. If you want A's and B's, you take on these habits. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and you yep. live these habits. Yep. It was more so, my questions were more along the lines of how does this stuff become practical to this future of mine that I yeah. keep hearing I'm supposed to be prepared for and it's supposed I'm supposed to do these things. Yeah. And I'm like, what are these things? Yep. And how does this here help me with those things? And you always get those same mundane answers of because it's good for you. Yeah. Because you have to go to college. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying those things, Matt, because that leads to a lot of what we're doing and what the work is with Give and Go and yeah. what I've been doing personally over the years. Because young people, especially in this day and age, and it started even more so with the millennials, where it's not about the theory. It's about the practicality and the ability to apply yeah. that theory. Yep. Because millennials and Gen Z now have information overload in the bottom of their hands 24-7. Mm-hmm. How do we now make sense of all of this? How do we navigate this overflow and overwhelming information? Yep. And how do we actually apply it to everyday life so it actually not only helps us improve, but improve our surroundings and the people that we're around? So would you say that that's sort of the core ideology of give and go? Like that's what it's all, the work you're doing is kind of rooted in that philosophy? I would say so. Yeah. And it's not just me because give and go was there before Arma even showed up. Got it. Jerry Hayes is the person who originally founded Give and Go. And for about, I would say, a minimum of six years, he almost single-handedly, and you understand with nonprofits or any organization, it takes a lot of lifting. Yep. A lot of work. Mm -hmm. And this individual just, I just saw something where I said, oh, my God, for you to be able to get to even a year six with almost just yourself, Mm -hmm. and all of this work is for community impact and you're making sandwiches, you're providing book drives and supply drives. And I mean, he'd been doing all these things for so long and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, if this one individual can get this organization to this year, almost single handedly. And then to know that grants were being written for, and even other things are applied for from a donation standpoint, from a resource standpoint to try yeah. to help make this stuff work and you're not even being awarded these things and to still have the motivation and the passion. Yeah. <laughs> that was super inspirational to me. Endurance. Heck yeah. Yep. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, how can I lend strength? Because our mutual mentor had been talking to me about him before we even met. Right. And from what I, now that we know each other, it was almost similar for him. And then the timing just happened where, we were awarded a grant for about $100,000 to train young people, especially adjudicated youth in the area of construction because of the PAC program that we are a part of and the Home Builders Institute relationship mm-hmm. and partnership that we have. 
And when we got through with this training, we just realized that, oh, my, it's great to certify people and to give them these credentials or micro-credentials to be able to have or get gainful employment immediately, but we didn't have the jobs. Mm-hmm. We weren't in the construction world. Right. <laughs> and we started thinking to ourselves, so how can we really position people to really win and actually have real opportunities for work? So that just led us down just other areas and spaces, but we always stay true to our core, which was workforce development. So yep. we, we also have other programs where it was technology focused and you name it. But the more important thing for me has always been how do we develop young people in the soft skills or leadership area specifically where we can now infuse elements of emotional intelligence and cultural yeah. awareness and intelligence because, I mean, we're seeing where we are in this day and age now Yep. where we have to always be mindful of the spaces that we're in, the people that we're coming across and dealing with and having to listen to even if we don't necessarily agree yeah yeah that's that is that is absolutely key and and the ability to to be curious about yeah. each other's perspectives the ability to actually communicate effectively and respect and, and respect other. yeah uh and, and when i see you interacting with the students that i've i've seen on a number of occasions now um man you have got them in the you, you've really got your arms around them right yeah, you, it, it's a it's a it's it seems to me like love in action, quite frankly. It has to be, though. Yeah. And because I say it has to be because I'm a product of what that love in action looks like yeah. and feels like. Yeah. I'm a true product of it because it wasn't until I moved here in 04 and decided to start at a local community college where I was introduced to what's called student government. Mm-hmm. And that was just me looking for opportunities to stay out of trouble. Yep. And to make the best use of my time while I was within a school setting that was actually more positive than most things that I was used to prior. Right. Because we're human beings, especially males. We're nothing but balls of energy. Yeah. And we're going to exude whatever environment we're in. Yep. (laughs) Good or bad. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Totally. (laughs) You can relate. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) So I'm now in an environment which is now something that's way more positive. And it's an educational environment, but now I'm being introduced to more of the experiential learning mm-hmm. side of academia. Yeah. And that's where, for me, all of the light bulbs went off. And more importantly, I had one person who looked completely different from me. She's female. I'm male. She was a little shorter than me. A little. She had more weight than I. But either way, everything that says on the physical side of it that we're opposites yep. and we can't really relate, she was the one person that actually saw something in me. Mm. And then she started to challenge me. Yeah. But the more she challenged me, the more I learned how much she cared about me. Mm-hmm. Because regardless of how much or how hard I thought something was or how challenging something was, because she had me doing things, things that really stemmed and focused on character building. Yeah. Because she said, hey, there's something about you. And I think you need to try these different opportunities to really expand on what these opportunities might be. Mm-hmm. And then she would then put me in those environments and say, go do this, go do that, including things like washing dishes Mm -hmm. in public in front of people at a community college Mm -hmm. where I'm looking at her like, lady, I don't wash dishes even at home. (laughs) 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 But she said, you know what? I understand that, but it builds character. Mm. And in my mind, I'm saying to myself, I know you care about me. And so far, you're the one consistent support system that I am experiencing outside of closest family, right? Yeah, yeah. And I can see how the things that you've introduced me to and exposed me to are actually impacting me for the better. Yeah. 
all of it became tangible for me. Yep. So the moment she said, look, it builds character, I was still mad in the moment, mm-hmm. but I washed those dishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> in public. Yep. And I dried them. <laughs> yeah. And dried them. And, and dried them. <laughs> so, I mean, there are many lessons in that. But ultimately, what it comes back to is the fact that for us, we just need to know that there's at least somebody that genuinely loves and cares for us. Yeah. And based on those experiences and me feeling that, I know that I must reciprocate that. Well, I can tell you that the, the work you're doing with these students, and I, I want you to talk a little bit about, I don't, do you call them students or participants, the kids that had a give and go? It's, is there a terminology we, for them? We or? call them empowered, man. Yeah, there you go. We call go. them empowered because the, what, what we developed as a platform through give and go for them is called empower and deploy. Yeah. Empower, letter N, deploy. Yeah. So the goal is to provide them with access, exposure, and experiences whether it's networks, relationships, resources in general, so they feel empowered enough to be confident in their decision-making and their action-taking. Well, I just love, I mean, that th- those experiences that I see you uh, giving them access to, that, uh, that immersive learning, uh, experiential learning, was so cool. I mean, whether it was at uh, Durag Fest and you were taking them around to all the different business owners and entrepreneurs and purveyors and vendors mm-hmm. and having them talk to yeah. these folks, you know, tell me about your business, tell me about your vision. Exactly. That was so cool. Then, you you know, bringing them to Creative Mornings and, and I'm sure a ton of other things. Like, I love that out-in-the-world learning that is a part of this program. And, and you know what's funny, Matt? We had a grandiose plan for what became the Summer Institute now that we call it over the five weeks that we had it that you came to. And you caught us at our first actual week of gotcha. our Summer Institute. Yeah. And... For us, it was it was an opportunity to expose them to an environment that would shock all of their senses. Mm-hmm. Because you you were at Durac Fest. Yeah. That's not the norm. That is not the norm. <laughs> right? Definitely not. And a lot of times we look at things from a physical standpoint to where we miss the human element. And everything you just said applied in that scenario because now you had students from different backgrounds. Because you saw a lot of diversity within our very diverse population. group, very diverse from age to grade level to even what they're doing and what their interests are. Yep. But that's what made it so beautiful. Yep. Because we even had parents that were there with us. That's right. That's right. And that's what I, that's one of the things I appreciate most about what we do because for me it's all about transparency. Yeah. There are no hidden agendas here. It's more so look. I invite parents because I want you to see what this really is about. Because it's one of those things where people can say, hey, what do you do? And I can say, hey, we have a mentoring program that, that's more rooted in workforce development. And you're going to be like, so what's different from you or what's different about you than any other organizations that's out here? Yeah. Because there's tons of them. And my only answer is I can show you better than I can tell you. Yeah. Because if I was to just try to break this down and explain it and verbally paint the picture for you, you're still going to sit there looking at me like, okay, okay. But then here you are, Matt, and I'm so glad you walked in at Durag Fest, and we're so gracious enough with your time (laughs) because you got to really see it. Yeah. I can't make that up. (laughs) Yeah. Because now not only do they get to speak to entrepreneurs who are starting from scratch or have been doing it for a few years, they got to hear their story and why they're doing it. Yep. Because everybody there is there for a why. They're yep. not just, they didn't just wake up saying, oh, I'm just going to do this because I know it's going to make me money. I mean, one young man had a tea business that infused different things like garlic and you name it because 
his mother literally had an ailment, and that's how he figured out how to help her with that ailment. Wow. To the point where he said, I got to bottle this up. Yeah. That's his story. Mm-hmm. He was looking for a solution for a close relative. Yep. And it worked. And because it worked, they said, I have to now package this and take it on the road. Yep. Like literally, mm-hmm. which is why he came from a different state to Charlotte, North Carolina as a vendor at a Durac Fest. Yep. And then we have the tea company that's moving from Louisiana and expanding into a different market. This is real life marketing 101 now. Mm-hmm. I can't teach this stuff in the classroom as I can expose you to it in the actual environment. Yep. Because now you're seeing that every, everything that I'm going to have you sit down and read through and then discuss and then try to sift through theories to help you understand and grasp and understand really what this is when in actuality it, it's more we learn more by actually speaking to the people like the vendors that were there yeah, that represented the tea company and they were telling you the story of how they're even entering this market, their strategies around it. And everything else that marketing entails. Yeah. Now you're hearing it di- directly from a source. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I love it. And, and it's the same thing, not just with the sort of, uh, y- you know, the knowledge you're looking to impart on, on the participants, but also, as you were saying, with as you're trying to educate folks about Give and Go, what Give and Go does, yeah. the impact, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing to talk about missions and visions and, 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 and uh, you know, impact statements and, and what have you. 30-second... Yeah elevator pitches, what have you. But then to show up and see it in action, is, is that is the game changer. Yes, it is. And so yes, it, it, is. it was fortuitous to run into you that Man, day. Man, it was supposed to happen that way. It was. <laughs> it totally was. So if people wanted to learn more about Give and Go, sure. either how to get involved, how to support, what have you, what's the best way for them to do that? Man, we're going through a major upgrading of everything mm-hmm. in terms of websites and you name it or retrofitting upfitting whatever you want to call it so i mean i can give my email and sure I a arma last name s-h-i-a-n-c-o-e-a-s-h-i-a-n-c-o-e at give and go yep g-i-v-e-n-g-o dot info yep and i'll be more than happy because right we're now at the critical mass where we want to make this long-term sustainable mm-hmm. and young people are asking for it and we're saying we want to make it happen at a level where you deserve it and it's accessible to you, but all these things cost. Yeah. So we are now really in need of time, talent, yep. and treasure. Yep. So advocates, volunteers, and investors even, because yep. we need a partner, and we are partnering with the right folks. Through our work with the Summer Institute, we've now tugged on the, sh- the heartstring of a parent who works with a financial agency, and they now are partnering with us on a back-to-school drive to help now gather school supplies for Title I school students. Beautiful. I mean, they've already bought 72 book bags. Yeah. (laughs) And now they're collecting other school supplies from different sources within their network, within their company, because of their different locations. And we're going to go there on a date. We're going to sort it out with our students and our members of our organization, Give and Go. We're going to do some team building, some leadership training stuff there, and really engage with their staff and their employees because now this is service on their turf yeah and then we're gonna pack these things up in kits and take them out to different schools and elementary at least one elementary one middle one high school title one schools and 
make sure that all these young people have the necessary supplies to get their school year started. That's awesome. That's so great. And these are the things that these young people want to do. Yeah. These are, and and that's that's now speaking to our deploy piece. Mm-hmm. We're empowering you, right? But then we're deploying you to be able to now take all of these things and make them practical. How best to actually apply our learning than to actually just do stuff with it. Yeah. Especially when it comes to helping our community at large. And that's the thing I love about our youth and these generations, including the millennial or starting with the millennial. We want to do well, but we want to do well together. We want to help improve the things around us. Absolutely. There are many challenges that these generations, especially Gen Z, is facing that a lot of folks don't really wrap their minds around because we didn't have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the things that are even happening, even at modern real time right now, like these different mass shootings that are happening. Right. They're the generation that is being desensitized and normalized to the fact that at any given moment, a shooting could happen at a school and it could possibly be my school. Mm-hmm. That's not normal stuff, man. No, it is not. <laughs> it is not normal stuff. They're dealing with anxieties because everyone around them is saying, hey, you got to get A's on your test and you got to do well in school when the, these young people are saying, well, I also have these problems here that are actually keeping my attention from yep. focusing on this school stuff and I need help there. Yep. Even if it's just me being able to talk to somebody about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, being in the classroom has fascinated me beyond measure because now I have a renewed hope in our future and it's because of these generations that we keep bashing on. Yeah, They can do stuff and they want to do stuff, but they want the proper guidance and coaching through this process. Yep, That's what they're essentially looking for. And that's what you're giving them. And that's what that's what our only goal is, <laughs> is to provide that. Well, I got to tell you, it is such <laughs> a, it's such a pleasure to sit down and just talk to you a little bit more about this. And we will we'll link out from when we post this podcast. Um, we'll write some more about it and yeah. send some links and yeah. all that good stuff. So folks Please. can definitely get involved, get connected, Please. learn more. Um, and uh, I we, sometimes we like to end with. Uh, a fairly simple question, mm-hmm. even though it's sort of a big, bigger question. But we'll we'll end. Uh, this seems like the right conversation to end with uh, a question like this, which All is, right. Arma, what is your advice for Charlotte? Wow, that's a great question, Matt. And the the best way I know how to answer this, as one who has almost been raised by Charlotte now, mm-hmm. after moving here in 04 and being here over 15 years now, or at least 15 years now, Charlotte has an opportunity to really become its own. Mm-hmm. And we have to work together to allow it to just develop into its own. Yeah, We can't try to make Charlotte where we're coming from mm-hmm. or what we hope it mimics, mm-hmm. right? I'm one who was pretty much pulled into the fold through going through a college here that exposed me to people that were making decisions on a county level or state level to where I was able to see things a little differently. And then they also challenged me a lot more than normal because even exposure to the Chamber of Commerce at the time, that's now the Charlotte Regional Partnership and things of that, things of that nature, mm-hmm. Regional Alliance, mm-hmm. the goal was to find future leaders of this city or to the, to develop them, to mm-hmm. recruit, bring them in, and develop them, and eventually hope that we can now help to mold this city into something that we all can benefit from. Mm-hmm. And we have a major challenge with upward mobility. Yep. Upward mobility is a major challenge, which is all stemming from 
the lack of social capital. Mm-hmm. And even with Give and Go, our goal is to be able to show that this is all possible. Because through social capital, we've been able to execute on opportunities for young people that we could have easily said, because you know what, we didn't get this grant from this major organization that says that they actually invest in workforce development and youth populations in their community. We could have easily said, no, let's stop. Let's. But we made a promise to these young folk. And because of that promise and that commitment, we just had to do what we had to do. And because of the social capital and relationships, because there's a lot of good in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great people that want to do and are doing many great things. Charlotte just doesn't give enough of these smaller organizations the access to funding resources that are real critical yeah. to keeping this work going. Well, that's that's some pretty rubber meets the road advice, too. Like give more of these startup organizations and initiatives access Correct. to funding to, to financial capital and to social capital. Exactly. Yeah. Because the work is being done. It, it is being done. There's <laughs> so much good being done There's out so there. so much being done. Can, so can you imagine if we could just inject all of the support that these people and these organizations needed? Right. We, right. we would literally change the game here. And we can. Yeah. Because the thing, what I know for certain is that if we really want to make change happen, we can effect change. Mm-hmm. But we have to be intentional about it. We have to be very, very intentional about it because... Young people are watching. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, young people can sniff phony from a mile away. Mm-hmm. And they're going to connect with and resonate with whom they deem as real. And they're, they're wanting to be a part of this journey in making the environment and the community at large better for all of us. Yep. And we have to allow them to actually play a role in that and to co-create in these different environments because they're really the ones with the answers. Yeah. They I really know, right? are. The we can talk all day long. Yeah, it really you know, comes down to them. They're ready to do stuff, but we have to provide them with the proper platforms to navigate and understand how to apply these things. And I think we have a real unique opportunity to do that. We absolutely do. Um, Armashianko, thank you for the work you're doing in the community. Thank you for having uh, me. Thank you for your commitment and your passion to, to Charlotte and to the, in particular, the young people of Charlotte. And thanks for spending some time just talking about it today. Oh, thank you for your invitation. Thank you for the work that you do. You're inspiring more people than you realize, and you continue to bring people to the table and to the So thank you for everything you're doing. Keep up the awesome work. Right back at you. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thanks again to Wendy Hickey, Nikki Eason, and Arma Shianko for speaking with us. And of course, thank you, the listener, for tuning into the Biscuit Podcast. That's all the time we have for today's episode of the Biscuit. Remember to subscribe to the Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us, or better yet, just tell them yourselves. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every week by subscribing to the Biscuit email newsletter. Do that now at BiscuitCLT.com. Biscuit Podcast is produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings. <laughs>